Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. All right, good morning, good morning. So the fact of the matter is I'm supposed to be on stage or whatever because um, the sound it might start ringing or something, whatever, but I'm just being rebellious because we haven't been in a building in a long time and I'm not used to no stage and it just feels weird. Like I like being like down here close with y'all or whatever. So if, if I have to jump back up there in the middle of the sermon, y'all forgive me. Can y'all hear me okay? It sounds all right so far? All right, we good to go then. We good to go then. All right, so let's jump into this real quick, all right? If you're new here, I'm going to do a recap. We've been going through a series in 1 John. It's been absolutely amazing. Um, and I am, uh, you know, John is the, they know John is the, the he's all about love. You read, you read anything he writes, he's talking about loving one another, loving the Lord, right? Um, and he writes in such a beautiful, beautiful way. But we've just been going through this series. And let me just kind of bring you up to date where we're at with it because his writing connects so well um, that you need to know the context of the scripture to really appreciate the scripture, all right? So we start off in 1 John uh, 1, and we went in 5 through 9 where he was talking about walking in the light. Let me read this. I'm going to speed through some of this stuff so I can get to where we're actually going, right? So 1 John 1, 5 says this. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us, us from all sin. And if we claim to be without sin, y'all listen to this, y'all, y'all catching this? It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. That's what he tells us in 1 John 1, that is 5 through 10 we just read, right? So John's first thing, because it's important because he uses this context and this idea of light as a qualifier through the rest of his writing, right? So he doesn't say, he may not just say like walking with God, he'll say walking with the light. Like if somebody says they're doing this and they're lying, they're not walking in the light. Y'all get where I'm coming from? So it's important that you understand what the light is and what happens in the light. What happens in the light is that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. What happens in the light is that you don't show up in the light and hide your sins behind you. You actually walk in the light and you confess your sins. He says people who say they don't have sin are liars. They're actually still in the darkness. You get where I'm coming from? So like all the cute folks that think they got their stuff together, the light, they hiding from the light. It's, all right? People who are sometimes an absolute mess who say, I'm a mess, they're in the light. And he's like, I got an answer for your problem, your sin problem, whatever you, whatever you deal with, whatever besets you. I have the light, the blood of Jesus in the light. Y'all with me so far? I want you to understand that light before we keep moving. 1 John 2, verse 3 to 7, he goes, um, he, helps, he helps us qualify our assurance of God by saying, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. 
Very important thing about the context of these scriptures, right? John is dealing with a bunch of people who have actually left the church. If you read on in John, you find out a group of people have left the church. So a lot of ways that he poses the conversation, he's making a point at the people that left the church, and he's speaking for the people who remain, because the people, when they left the church, they stirred up a lot of division about sin, being sinless, salvation, all of these things or whatever that they left with the believers who are there questioning. Y'all with me so far? So when he's making this point, when he's saying like, yo, if somebody says that they walk with the Lord, yet they lie, they're not, they, they ain't walking with the Lord. You get where I'm coming from? So just to make it simple and cut. That's what he's actually doing. But he's actually talking about somebody specifically in mind. So he's trying to point out to them so they don't get fooled by the people that left and the new things that they're saying and the theology that they're destroying. And he's also giving them a qualifier for them to look at their own hearts. If you're hiding in the dark, this is what it looks like. This is how you figure out what that is. Y'all with me so far? Right? In 1 John 2, 7, this is our text for the day, right? John is going to zoom in on specific commandments. So let me read this to you, and then we're going to start traveling down this thing. Y'all ready? Say, I'm ready. ready. There we go. All right. It says, Beloved, I'm writing to you a new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the, is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is, a pass, is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there's no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Y'all ready to roll? So I'm going to preach this, and I'm going to go piece by piece through it. I'm going to, I want you to get all of it, because this scripture, it may, it may read real smooth, but if you slow down and unpack it, it's super heavy, and it's a beautiful text. So we're going to try to get all of it, right? So he starts off out become, calling him beloved. That tells us right there, beloved means that you are loved very much, and you are dear, right? You are dear to the heart. So when he calls him beloved, we know right off the bat he's actually talking to the church. He's, they're beloved to him personally, but they're also beloved to God. He's saying y'all are God's people, and he is speaking to them directly, right? And he says, I'm writing you a new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from, uh, uh, excuse me, no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. You ever heard somebody or whatever use the phrase, um, this is a, this is a oldie but a goodie, right? It's like, it's old, but this thing's still rocking. Right? You get where I'm coming from? Like, my wife, she gets mad because I like to play the gap band and, like, you know what I'm saying, the old school stuff. And she'd be like, bro, how old are you? I'm like, this joint is oldie, but it's a good, this, this thing is killing it, right? Some of y'all don't even know who the gap band is. Y'all just sitting in here, whatever. I do another, Phil Collins, right? I rock with Phil Collins all day. He's feel it in the air tonight. It's the, it's the thing, right? So that's what he's saying. He said, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. And this is what he's referencing when he's saying that. He's talking about love, and we're going to see it. You know, I'm not going to work through it, but like if you keep on going through the text, you'll see that he's talking about love and loving your neighbor. Then you catch it in other scriptures or whatever, right? But Matthew 22 says it like this right here, just so you can pinpoint where he's at. But when the Pharisees heard that, that he, they're talking about Jesus, has silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. 
Teacher, what is the which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the love, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. This is where this is where John is dancing at. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. All right? So just for a point of reference, he's dealing with the commandment on love, right? Y'all with me? Everybody awake? So verse 8, it says this. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you. I'm expounding on the old. I ain't adding nothing new to it, but I'm, I'm putting it before you, and it's a new thing. He says, which is true in him and you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So, the, the commandment concerning love is an essential part of the gospel, right? If love is present, it's the gospel's in it, right? If, if, if it's the gospel and it lacks love, then we're not talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Plain and simple, right? Simple thing right there, right? So, when he says it is true, <laughs> when he says it is true in him and in you, it's a way to say that there's no true love apart from Jesus, right? He's saying this thing is embodied in Jesus. And if you are a follower of, a follower of Jesus, if Jesus has saved your soul, has begun a regenerative work to your heart, if he start working on your heart made of stone and making it flesh so you can actually love, it's it, as it is with Jesus, so it is with you. You get where I'm coming from? It's almost like the phrase when people go like, man... Man, he's, he's his daddy's son. You get where I'm coming from? They're saying, like, y'all made from the same thing. He's making the statement. He's saying, like, us that are followers of the Lord, we made from the same thing. You get where I'm coming from? Y'all with me so far? Saying he is the source, the author of the love that we have to give. John 13, 34 says it like this. It says, Jesus says, a new commandment I give unto you. This is Jesus talking now, not John, but he uses the same phrase. A new commandment I give unto you, that, you that, she, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. But this shall, this shall all, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you love one another. You hear that? In 1 John 4, 11, John goes on to say, he says it again, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. He is saying that our love is a direct product and a fruit of the love that Jesus has for us. We don't have it apart from us. I hate to hurt everybody's feelings. We ain't as loving as cute as we would like to think we are. Right? John Piper says, our love can't earn God's love. It is God's love. So we don't put the cart before the horse. We don't go try to um, manufacture being loving as a way to earn God's love. The love we give is what spews out of being loved by God, by the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ on the cross and us receiving that with gratefulness, right? It's like somebody pays for your way into the movies and you have a pocket full of money. You turn around and you go, man, I'm filthy rich in this thing. And somebody covered me, I got you. You're producing what was already given to you. Y'all with me so far? I want to make it simple, but it's so profound. I don't want us to miss it because I'm going to show you how bad we struggle with it. 
So Piper says, our love can't earn God's love. It is God's love. And to believe differently is to no longer render yourself to the light of sanctification. Right? It's rewriting the script. It's placing ourselves in a place where we believe we can generate love out of the goodness of our own heart. We as believers, we receive the Lord with a contrite heart. We walk with a contrite heart. And without this need for divine intervention in our heart, we're just arrogant people just lost in the waves of self-righteousness. Comes off the lips real easy, but living it out and, 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 and facing that is, is a harder work to do, right? Ezekiel 16, 49 says this. He says, now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. We hear so many stories about Sodom and Gomorrah. People often skipped over the scripture, and I put it before you in front of the church all the time because it shows you this disdain that God looked down on Sodom because of their lack of love for their neighbors. They got captivated and pleasing themselves. They were arrogant. They were overfed. They were unconcerned. Other texts says they didn't think about how to build for the poor, and they didn't think about how to build for the needy. They just built to satisfy themselves. They didn't love their neighbor. Y'all with me so far? So this a specific way that countries, cities, communities, neighborhoods, neighbors, friends, spouses, children are neglected, pillaged, and mistreated without repentance is through the misguided idea of love that doesn't see our neighbor as ourself, is only for itself, and ultimately destroys others without taking any accountability. You still awake? I know it's heavy. The heart can't be trusted to do love. Right? I'm just giving you a picture of how it works systematically. When you walk in the spaces, you go, why does this neighborhood look like this? Why is this part of town like this? Do some of the historical work. Look at how somebody was planning for good, but their good meant that we're going to block off this particular community with highways and walls to stop any economical growth completely intentionally. And then decades and decades of the result of a hateful decision taking place. Do you understand? It's lack of love. Love seeks how to make others flourish. Heart can't be trusted to do love. That's what the word says about our heart. It's Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? This is true. I don't know about you, but when I'm angry, my thoughts can get foolish. I'm ashamed to tell you the stuff that comes to my mind. When that proceeds being in the light and I'm in the darkness... What spews out of my heart is absolutely insane. That's true about me. I sit in front of people all the time. I talk to guys or whatever, and they're like, yo, man, like, I'm leaving my wife and kids or whatever. Like, I met this chick at the call center or whatever, and like, man, like, I know the Lord. Like, Jesus gave me a dream. He had told me or whatever. So I'm like, bro, that's not Jesus. And they're like, no, my heart. I'm like, oh, my God. When they go to the heart, I'd be like, nah, just, yeah. 
like, bro, that's not, that's not the Lord speaking to you. Your heart is not telling you that, whatever, right? You being, we can look at the scriptures. It's love that John is talking about. It doesn't come from the heart. It comes from the heart of God, right? Can't trust our heart. Can't be trusted. You know, we struggle with love as an identity for the church. I think most of us would agree to this, right? We, the world's love and the church's love often feels competitive when it shouldn't be. Shouldn't even look close to being the same. But this text I'm about to get into, hopefully it gets into the nooks and crannies where it does something to us that makes us not, not work harder. That's not what I'm, 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 that's not the output I want to happen for you today. I want you to actually, the output is that you surrender the ugly parts of your heart to the light for God to do a work inside of your heart, right? If you skip past that part and you go, I need to act more loving, and you start running off your new list of your Ten Commandments about love, and you like, I'm going to work hard at this every single day, and you miss walking in the light, if you miss the gratefulness and joy of what God has done to, through you, to you through Jesus, then you've missed the whole point. You've just made more commandments. You, you just go into being a Pharisee and a Sadducee, right? Just living by the law, but not experiencing the life-giving power of Jesus. You get where I'm coming from? Y'all with me? It's this series. I know we got love written all over Hallmark cards and everything else or whatever, and the word gets thrown around everywhere, but we missed it. We missed it. We got darts going everywhere, and it's missing the bullseye. This is the bullseye I'm preaching to you right now. Other part of this text right here, whatever, um, in verse 8, we, it, where we're at, it says, it says, let me just read the whole thing to you. It says, at the same time, this is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. You read through the Bible, you read through the Bible, and what you hear about is this thing that's coming, right? You hear about this, this promise of a pure love that doesn't, this, this broken world. Romans tells us that the earth actually grieves for God to make it new. The earth is actually grieving, right? We grieve. We know how to medicate, right? Whether it's food, some weed, a couple drinks, TV, Netflix, whatever it may be, we know how to medicate. But we're medicating because when we stop long enough, I don't know about you, but my, my Instagram thread is nothing but murder, death, tragedy all day long. Everybody I know is going through something, right? The Bible, Jesus, is a promise for the people of God. It says that this life is going to be like a mist. It says what is coming, no eye has seen and no ear has heard. We can't even comprehend what it is. We don't know what it is to be in a space not dealing with the depravity of our own flesh and the sin of others. We have no idea what the world looks like when it's like that. When you don't wake up and, and get greeted by depression. 
When condemnation isn't the thought that's always in your head about how you're filthy, dirty, you're a failure, you're disgusting, you're not enough, can't do enough, not pretty enough, not small enough, not fat enough, not this enough. We don't even know what that's like. We, 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 we're overdosing on that. That's in our head all day. That's not what's coming. That's not what's coming. That's not what God is promising us. It's beyond what we can comprehend. All our tears will be wiped away, right? So when he says this, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining, what he is talking about is a future light that has been promised but is already happening in the moment. Do you get where I'm coming from? It means that you are actually tasting what the love of God is like in the present when we walk in the light and, act, and allow God to do a work to us. You get where I'm coming from? That's what he's pointing at. John is saying it's already shining. It's already happening to us and through us. Verse 9 says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Translation is this. Those who are born of God don't hate others but love them. Simply put. Let me just bring you up to speed where we're at because I'm going to go into another part and I want to make sure you, you can hold this all together as we're going through. I know it's a lot of stuff. In 1 John 1, through, 1, John 1 7 through 14, he speaks about the light as a purifier and a dwelling place of the believer, right? It's where we are made sin free and the works of righteousness overflow from us. Y'all with me on that so far? Then he sets us up here to take our temperature by putting the fruit of loving, not hating others before us as a qualifier for whether or not we are walking in the light, right? She said, this is where you take your mess, right? You stand in the light with it. But then he goes, let me throw this other commandment in front, of you, in front of you real quick. If you're hating your brother, you're not walking in the light, right? To simplify what he's saying. And here's the thing. He's doing it. Remember, I tell you, the context is that somebody has, a group of people have left, and, and, and they've, they've, they've kicked, you know what I'm saying, the, the theology over on the way out the door, like, oh, we are loving, but we hate y'all or whatever. He's like, nah, let me, let me get this straight for you. So he's doing it so they can spot the imposters, but he's also helping them spot the imposter in themselves, right? You get where I'm coming from? He, always, he also wants them to be able to do self-application. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Love is not us. It's a gift. The light, the living water, the love of God, it's like when you take, if you take pressure-treated wood and you set it in a bucket of water, that water is going to begin to work itself over time into all of the nooks and crevices inside of that piece of wood until it has saturated it all the way through. God's light does the same to us. We call that process sanctification. The wood is not wet as soon as you drop it in there. It takes a little bit of time. It's a process. When we come to Christ, salvation is ours immediately. But one of the promises that he gives us is that he says he's going to sanctify us. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. 
That's why he talks about the light in chapter one so beautifully. Just think about this real quick. Where, you, you know, when I first got saved or whatever, I thought like, I was like, okay, I done went up to the altar finally. I finally did it. Now I got to stand up straight and get it right. And I was back in the club popping bottles the next week. And I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? Nobody preached to me about the light. I didn't know. I, I, I sat with that condemnation. Like, man, I'm not good enough. The premise for coming to Jesus was that, was that I was never good enough. It was a gift that he had gave me. Quickly, I started to think that I, I, I was good enough for it. And then I was mad at myself when I was, didn't meet the mark. This text is telling us, if you say you do not have sin, you are a liar. It's talking to the body of Christ. It says, come to the light. The sinner is the one who hides in darkness. All have, fallen, all have fallen short of the glory of God. He's saying, you come to the light. I got, I got an answer for your sin. But staying in the darkness is rebellion. Y'all get where I'm coming from? So this light, it sanctifies us. It's a privilege we have through salvation and Yeshua, through Jesus the Christ, right? And this is why walking in the light is an essential part of loving your brother, your sisters, and even your enemies. The light is where you get wet at, right? Verse 10, let me read verse 10 to you. It says, whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. We talked about Matthew earlier where that scripture that he's talking about is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I had a situation this week or whatever, and um, I, uh, I had a person I was dealing with, and they were in a very, very broken place. They are in a very broken place, um, and, you know, I, I had started, you know, this kind of stuff God does to you or whatever. I started working on my sermon, you know what I mean, and um, I'm getting to it. And you get ready to preach it, then the Lord's be like, now, now I'm going to test you and see if you're going to walk by it, right? So I'm with somebody or whatever, and they are, um, they're broken. They're broken to the point where they're ready to just give up on life. Like, that's where they're at. And I know their story. I know their narrative and everything else. And, I'm, and I promise you, everything in me, all I want to do is criticize. I want to be like, yeah, you did it to yourself, Right? Completely not what they needed at the moment. But I'm not going to lie to you. That is 100% where my flesh was at. Y'all get where I'm coming from? That's where I was at. I was stuck there. Um, and I stopped because I knew I was stuck. Kept trying to find the Lord in the moment. Where you at, Lord? I need help right now. I can't find you. I'm ready to just go crazy in this moment, right? And just not be loving at all. So I had to take a minute. I had to take a minute. It took 20, 30 minutes. So I didn't say anything at all. And during that 20 and 30 minutes, I had to do this. This is application, by the way, or whatever. If you want to write, this is the time you want to write. If you, if, if you want to really catch it, this is, the, this is what you want to hold on to. I had to do application in a moment. First, I had to identify my own sin. I had to identify my own pride. I knew I was in a wrong place. 
I knew my heart was in the wrong place. I was on a time schedule. I needed to get somewhere. I had an appointment set up. So I had to first forego myself and what I had to do. It's the first thing. I had to accept that the wrecking ball for my day was going to hit. Y'all get me? Then I had to deal with my pride and my anger. And I had to walk through that process. And I was trying to, the, I, I, just, I just said what it was. Lord, I'm mad because I have somewhere to be. I'm mad because I've had this conversation with this person before. I'm mad at who their sin is hurting. Um, I'm mad because I think that I'm actually, I'm, like my sin is better than them. And I know I'm blind to that because I preach it all the time. But my, my soul don't grab it right now. I'm an elitist and I'm, a, and I'm, and I'm classist and by all means in this very moment. You get where I'm coming from? I'm, I'm doing the work. This is me and my quietness. I ain't said a word yet. So I'm walking through that process. This text in Matthew, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. My next step was this. So I'm, first step, I'm begging the Lord for help. I'm, I'm, I'm admitting that I don't got it, that I'm in my sin, that I'm in my selfishness. I'm admitting that, and I'm saying, Lord, I need your help. My next step was this right here. I need to switch places with them. I need to switch places with them. So I looked at them. She sat in quietness or whatever. I looked at them, and I slowly began to remember being in the exact place they were in, almost saying the exact things they said verbatim. And then, then, I, then a little bit of empathy began to set in. I, I started to remember feeling defeated. Like whatever right is, I couldn't find what it is. I didn't know how to do any better. And it felt like everybody in the world was asking me to do better. I began to grab a hold of where they're at because I had been there before. But I didn't remember. I didn't remember. I didn't remember. Remembering, I tell you all the time, remembering is one of the hardest things for believers to do. You look inside of Revelation 3, God speaks to the church of Laodicea, and the church of Laodicea, it says that everybody thought their church was alive. And God says, y'all are dead. See, y'all are walking dead. Y'all walk and talk church or whatever. It's an empty. It's a zombie. Get where I'm coming from? lacking love. And he tells them in Revelation, he says, remember. He says, remember is such an important word. He says, remember. He's telling them, remember the gospel. That first step I just told you. Remember the gospel. Walk in the light. The light is bringing the gospel up over you. It is the first part of Matthew where he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It is where we take ourselves and we make ourselves up like, Lord, we need you. Lord, I remember what you did to save me by sending Jesus on the cross when I was completely lost and dead in my sins. There's no way for us to repay it. But we surely can live a life of gratitude. It surely is beyond sufficient to press out works that give glory to God out of our soul when we remember it. It just comes out. Right? It just comes out. It just happens. It's the power of salvation. But he says, remember. He tells the people in the church to remember. 
my God, I need to remember. I remember being there. So I started the conversation with, by saying nothing. It started off with a 20-minute hug. Because I remember when I was in that moment, my God, I wish somebody would hug me like I was worth something. Everything tells me I'm worth nothing. I wish somebody would hug me in this moment. So that's what I did. You understand? That's what I did. I'm not telling you a story about somebody who's some kind of superhero in loving people. I'm telling you something about somebody who is severely crippled in their own sin and needs Jesus to even muster a little bit of love out of their heart. That's what I'm giving you a story about. I'm not trying to... Jay don't got this. Jay was over there. Lord, I'm going to wreck this. That's what I can do all day. I can wreck it. I can let my temper fly, my anger fly, and just wreck it. Easy. God, I need you to do something supernatural. This is spiritual warfare. This is what spiritual warfare is. Ephesians 6, 12 says this. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I know it sounds like Star Wars and everything else or whatever and stuff, but I just want you to think about it for a minute. When you have anger with somebody, you can't see it. You see the fruit of it, a frown on the face, right? Then it maybe takes actions, but it's completely unseen, right? You could be hating somebody in this room. You could be lusting somebody in this room, and nobody will ever know it because it's completely unseen. You understand what I'm saying? This text is talking about us, and this is, a, this is a point of spiritual maturity where you are no longer just dealing with people and looking at their flesh, but what is the spirit that is trying to work in this room? Why are we having complications? Jay, why is it so hard for you to love this person right now? Because pride is at work. Ego is at work. You can't see it, but it is spiritually doing a number right now, and it will yield its result that may push this person over the edge or further break them some more. You can't see it, though. But I need to identify the spirit so I know what to bring into the light. Y'all with me so far? We are essentially naughty by nature. So doing the work of re remembering is essential because our heart is treacherous. Let's see. Did anybody catch that? You caught, you caught it? You caught it. Did anybody catch it, Mark? You caught it? Yeah, I remember the group, Naughty by Nature, the lead singer was Tretch. Anyway, all right, sorry. It's the hip-hop in me. I'm sorry. It just came. I had to drop the bar or whatever, right? But church, I tell you this right here, right? Believer, begin to nurture your heart to actually yearn for this space. To be weak in yourself and strong in the Lord, right? This is the light doing what only the light can do. Our thing isn't to walk around and posture ourselves like we got it all together. We're postured in humility. Our whole, our whole faith is based on us completely being poor in ourselves and not being able to save ourselves. So the way we have cultured into we are the people that got it all together, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. The whole narrative. When we do get it together, me telling you that story, I didn't have to tell you all that, that came before that. I could have just told you what I did. Man, you know, 
Reverend, we end up praying together. It was so sweet and beautiful. We just had a wonderful time in the Lord together. <laughs> I'm just giving you that part. Because that, that's what happened. That was the fruit of it. But I'm making a story about myself if I don't tell you how weak I was and the miracle that God had to do to get my heart of stone to go soft. This is what he is saying. This is what he is saying when he says, talks about this, this, this light. That's what he's talking about. When he says, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. In that moment, I experienced God doing a miracle with a hard heart and saving me from breaking something that was precious to me in the moment. That's that promise coming, getting a piece of it right now. One day I didn't even have to think about it. Flesh will be gone and it'll just be what it is. But right now in the middle of this broken, depraved body or whatever that had craved sin, the Bible says that the flesh is at war against the spirit and the spirit is at war against the flesh. To be a believer is to be going through the, 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 the schizophrenic conflict of putting self over God, God over self. But it's already been won through Jesus. We'll just be relieved from that battle one day. Y'all with me so far? There's nothing I will ever tell you about sharing the gospel in this community more important than what I'm telling you right now than love, period. There's nothing I will contextualize for you or whatever. There's no missional stuff I'll ever tell you that is better than this point right here. Everything else is an add-on to this right here. Everything. Try to bring us on home. Y'all ready? Verse 11 says this, and I'll begin to close in a minute. It says, but whoever hates his brothers in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Three things are said to be true of me, you, and anybody who hates his brother. Remember, he's telling them. He's trying to get their, get their, their IQ up because they've had people telling them lies. So he's trying to get their IQ up trying to get their IQ up so they can spot themselves and so they can spot others and know what's what, right? So anybody can't just pop up with them talking about all kind of strange doctrine and weird stuff and, no, love is this right here. And, no, no, you're able to, you can do that, whatever. Like, nah, homie, it's the gospel, right? He's he, he, like, let me get y'all up on this. He says, whoever hates his brother is in darkness, right? He says they're in darkness. He says they walk in the darkness. And then he says, and they do not know where they're going. You know, I think the last two parts of this, though, they, they walk in darkness and they do not wear, know where they're going. It's more of a final statement, right? It's, it's, a, it, it's a more settled statement about where they are at. This part right here where it says, hates his brothers in the darkness, I feel like there's some grace in there for us to qualify where we're at. Right? There's grace in all of this, but you get the point I'm trying to make. It's like what I just told you about. I had to qualify where I was at at the moment. And I was in the darkness. Right? I was in the darkness. By the grace of God, we have an invitation where we can always go to the light. Right? We can, we can, you know, the enemy's going to do one or two things. Like, excuse me, you're going to do one thing. You, you find out you're in the darkness, it's going to condemn you. Low down, dog, look at you. It's not even worth trying. 
you look, you're a failure. He's going to turn and he's going he's, he's to twist and contort the gospel to make it about being about your works. And he's going to say, you, you failed. You didn't work it. Where's the words right there? You ain't doing it. You ain't loving your brother. You failed. But John tells us on the front end. He says it so beautifully. You say you don't have sin, you're a liar. That should perk our ears up. Like, oh, he said, he said if, well, yeah, I am talking about the fact that I have sin. He says the blood of Jesus is present in the light to wash away all of our sins. So when we get caught, when we get busted, when we expose our own hearts and we do this work of walking the light, we have the light to go run into because we have salvation. We have grace. The Bible says that God's mercy is made new every single morning. Even God knows that you're going to be stumbling all day, every day, re repenting, doing the same sin 40 minutes ago and be like, God, woe is me. So, yeah, the water is right here. Dive in. Dive in. Hebrews 4, he says, it says that, says that Jesus there's no sin that we struggle with that he is not going through himself. And it says as a result of him understanding what that is, as our high priest says, he has opened up the throne of grace to give us mercy and resources in the time of need. That's what the enemy doesn't want you to get to. He doesn't want you going to jump in the water. He doesn't want you going to the throne of grace because what you need is always there. This text, it ends... It just says, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. It says, but whoever hates his brothers in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Gives us everything we need to know to deal with people appropriately. Don't let anybody who walks in the darkness lead you. Doesn't mean you run from everybody who's walking in the darkness. Bring that light that you have into them. Right? I'm going to end with that today, and there's something I want to do. I want us to uh, pray. I'm already standing, but if I wasn't standing, I would get up and stand for what I'm about to pray about. If you hear this, and you hear this message, and you're going, God, my, my love is looking real pitiful these days. Perhaps you just, as a way to protect yourself, you just shut people off when they do something wild or whatever. You just got a quick cutoff game or I'm not going to tolerate or I'm not going to deal with that. Or if you haven't been walking the light to let God work through your heart and you feel like your love is shallow and you feel like God wants you to do more in that area. Like he wants you to be with them and love people. If you don't feel like you're lavishing people with the love that you receive and you're like, I, you feel like there's something wrong with that. Then I just I want to pray for you. You don't have to come walk to the front. Just stand up in your seat or whatever and ask God to help you with it. It could be a relationship that you're tired of or just having difficulties with. It could be loving others. You might be like, man, I, I, I know. I know I don't got time for others. I'm, you know. You're allowed to know it. You're allowed to admit it. That's what the grace is. The light allows you to be able to say that ugly thing that we usually keep in the dark. You don't have to say it out loud now. You can say it before the Lord in your prayer. Right? I just want to pray for God to do a work in your heart this morning. I need it. I just told you my story. I'd eat that out by the blood of the devil. But Jesus is doing a miracle, I promise you. So stand if that's you. We're going to pray. After that, we're going to do worship. We're going to do communion this morning also.
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just praise you, Father Lord. We thank you for your mercy, your grace, your love this morning, Father. God, we, um, what are we without you? Um, I don't have time to spend playing church, um, acting like we got it together. Life shows us that's not the truth every day. You make a way, you provide for us, Father Lord. You've given your son Jesus, Father Lord. And this flesh is broken in a way where it tries to make that small. It makes our gratefulness small at times, where it's like, God, I know what the scripture says, but trying to capture it with my heart is sometimes hard to do. So, Lord, we, we even need your help just to be grateful. We need your help to respond to the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Your, your word says we were dead in our trespasses, and you still came and saved us and made us alive, that it was no work of our own. We have an eternal promise that is beyond any riches, anything that we could fathom on this earth. And it's hard for us to even grasp that with a true, pure gratefulness. But that won't be the truth forever. It won't be the truth forever. But we know that promise is, co is coming, Father Lord. But the word we just read, it says that this light can shine on us in this very moment. God, I'm praying, Father, for you to do a work in our heart. We, as a church, corporately are walking in the light saying, Lord, we want you to turn the volume up on our love. We're saying, Lord, we want you to speak to us about what that looks like. God, give us wisdom on how to love people. That doesn't mean we don't set borders or have borders on our life and have expectations and values and things like that. But, Lord, it gets so messy so many times. We, we need better understanding. So we pray for that understanding. We pray for whatever content we need to know, whatever we need to know. But on, this, on the other side, Lord, we pray that you remove the different barriers we have in our, our heart. Help us, Father Lord, to get out of ourselves um, and not hide in our sin, to not just posture um, goodness, but actually allow you to do a work in our soul that produces a God-glorifying good in our heart, Father Lord, that we love our neighbor, that we even love our enemies. Um, as you would have us to. So I pray that for our church. I pray that for people that stood up in here and said, I don't have it in myself. God, you do something new inside of me. So we pray that for everybody here. I pray that for myself. I pray for my family, um, for our whole entire church. I pray for our community, Father Lord.